Hello, and welcome to episode two of Sleep Startle, a podcast by me, Maya Carlton. Today, I'll be reading Crystalline Exposé, a short story by yours truly. You're going to get used to hearing that. And at the end of the story, if you decide to stick around, I'll be explaining a little bit more where I think this inspiration came from, but we all know it came from a dream. So let's get started. One, the road was twisted and gnarled, leading somewhere, but the destination was unknown. The three sat in silence as the jeep continued to bump and jolt over the road, trying not to bite their own tongues. It started out as an old wise tale, a swimming hole made entirely of crystal formations. It wasn't deep within a cave, but on the surface of the granite mountain, the car was currently climbing. Josh, Trisha, and Sean were determined to find the crystalline pool after another friend of theirs complained to have discovered its location. It was a warm Saturday morning, and there was a smell of adventure in the air, and as most teens would do, they took off in their jeep headed for the mountainside. It would be about two hours before they made it to the old abandoned tram station, and from there, just a short walk to where the pool supposedly resided. Trisha thought it seemed odd that it would be so close and yet so people would have se- so few people would have seen it, but the boys had a way of convincing her to do things, even if she didn't like them, so more figuratively than literally, she bit her tongue and hoped for the best. Sean had visited the old heavenly tram station on a few occasions in the past. A fire had raged through the area in the 2002 time period, leaving the area desolate. Of course, Sean wasn't on a historical tour during those previous visits. He was there to get drunk and vandalize the old cars, as most kids growing up in the area did. He knew they were close, just one right turn up the next hill and they would be there, and then only steps from their true destination. Suddenly, Trisha yelled, Stop the car! There's a mansion over there! It's huge! The car skidded to a halt, as everyone peered out the car windows through the thick woods to see a very large window spanning at least two stories glimmering in the summer sun. We have to look, you guys. This might be way cooler than the pool, Trisha pleaded. The boys looked at each other and nodded, so they pulled the car to the side and started towards the house. Walking through the woods put a sour taste in their mouths. Most of the trees were plastered with a black and white poster. It depicted four people crammed into a small cylindrical tunnel, faces agape, stretching for a way out. At the bottom it read, the only way up the mountain is through the ground. The fire destroyed an entire ski resort and a few houses, but there were never any deaths reported. The poster seemed like someone's sick way of saying no trespassing, but it wasn't going to scare them off. The posters appeared new, but it was clear no one had driven up the road in quite a long time. Trisha thought about that. It seems she was the only one thinking about the odd occurrences. 2. The house was indeed huge. It must have been four stories, with the front overlooking the lake two full stories of glass paneling. Most of it was constructed of concrete and windows, allowing the colossal structure to still be standing post-fire. There was a large archway that must have contained large wooden doors at some point, but now allowed for easy access into the house. The inside of the house looked as if it had never been touched by a lick of flame, but like an affluent family up and left quite abruptly. It was clear no other living soul had found this place, as everything was still in pristine condition. Not even dust had collected on the banisters. 
They must have a ghostly maid. Ha! Josh joked. He felt the need to ease the tension. Everyone was visibly creeped out. No, but really, we can go back to the car if y'all want. Josh always took control in uneasy situations. He was a natural leader and wanted people to find comfort in him. Don't be a puss, Josh. We have to see the rest of the house. Come on, Trisha, tell your boyfriend to stop being a baby, Sean said matter-of-factly. He was full of false confidence and felt the need to compete with Josh for the leader role in the group. It's fine, Josh. We'll just look around a little bit, Trisha soothed. She kissed him on the cheek in reassurement before they all went their separate ways to explore the house. Trisha went upstairs to the second floor first. She sat for a while, staring out the large glass window. She sat for actually quite a long time, thinking of nothing, just staring, as if she were transfixed with the deep blue waters before her. For a short time, she could still hear the boys trouncing about the different floors, but then it all drowned out. She got up and closer to the window, finding a panel she was able to push out. She could only think of the blue waters and their movement in front of her. She had both hands on the edges of the pane, and feet half still in the house. Ring, ring, ring. It snapped Trisha out of her trance. She fell back inside. It was her mom calling. She answered. Trisha? Trisha, are you there? She sounded distant, as if in a tunnel. Trisha, I love you. It's the only way, baby girl. The only way out. Her mother was sobbing. Then there was an echoing scream. It came from the phone and expanded into the entire house. A large crash followed, sounding like someone had fallen over the banister. Trisha ran, hoping the boys were okay. She found blood streaked along the white handrail, before looking down to see her mother lying on the first floor, a jumbled mass of broken bones. Now, Trisha screamed. Josh and Sean came running from different directions and collided on the stairs, both responding to the scream that had come from above. Once they rounded the top of the stairwell, they came across Trisha, sitting with her head in her hands, knees drawn up, crying. Josh dropped down to her and held her, before picking her head up and asking, "'What happened, love? Is everything okay?' She looked him straight in the eye, tears streaming down her face, but in a steady tone said, "'My mother called and then killed herself by jumping off this balcony.' They looked at her, completely bewildered. "'You didn't see her mangled body at the bottom floor?' She was almost sarcastic at this point. They looked over the handrail in tandem, revealing only the well-kept hardwood below. I think maybe you should have another look, Trisha. There's nothing down there, Sean said. She looked, and was now even more scared than before. It was true. Everything she had seen wasn't real. She whipped out her cell phone. It didn't have service. Everything she heard wasn't real either. She wanted to leave, to run away fast, to never ever come back up this mountain. She looked out towards the lake, only to notice it had gotten very dark. How long have we been in this house looking around? Why did it only feel like they'd been there thirty minutes? Trisha had no answers, only questions. Her mind swirled, trying to dig her out of the confusion. Can we please head back down the mountain to town? This house is giving me the creeps, and it's too dark to find the pool now anyway. Trisha pleaded. Sean grimaced. See, haha, <laughs> here's the thing. My jeep's headlights are out. I never expected us to stay up here past sunset. I guess we'll have to stay here. He didn't want to stay in the house either. But it was stay or try to get home and accidentally drive off the cliff. Trisha and Josh were visibly upset. Trisha started to pace. She debated walking back home, but only to conclude she'd freeze or be eaten by wildlife. The house was the safest place. Unfortunately. 
Sean had blankets in the car, and they all agreed to sleep together on the floor of one of the many bedrooms. 3. The rising sun slanted through the windows of South Tahoe Preparatory School. It was impossible to sleep in with the large, gaping windows, but that's how the administrators liked it. Trisha rose up from her bed, a feeling of fogginess from the night before. In fact, there was no clear memory she could pull from last night at all. She dressed in her uniform and went for an early morning walk. The grounds had a thick mist, the mountain was full of luscious trees, and in the distance she could see the tram running. It wasn't a particularly cold morning, but Trisha had goosebumps as if her subconscious was running in fear of this place, but extremely, externally, she was just slightly groggy. Her head ached as she looked back toward the school. No one else had woken yet. She was alone. But though through the large front window, she could make out the large, long, white banister from the second floor. Sadness welled up in her and she began to cry. Logically, she had no inclination as to why. After the feeling subsided, Trisha decided she would grab a bite to eat before the rest of the school beat her to the bagels. Heading down, walking back inside, her shoulder grazed someone else. She looked up to find the she had bumped into a boy. He was tall, athletically built, and she felt in the core of her being she knew him from somewhere. She almost reached out and grabbed his hand, but another strange feeling compelled her to stop. He stared at her, but only for a moment. Her luscious brown hair entranced him. He had visions of running his fingers through it. She looked up at him with lost, longing eyes. They mirrored his perfectly. Josh did not know her name, but felt connected to her spirit. But then the moment was gone, and he was empty again. Josh, we're going to be late for lacrosse practice. Hurry up, Sean whined. They began to run toward the field between the trees, but Josh's mind was still on the brown-haired girl he had encountered earlier. Josh played slow, and the coach took him aside to ask what his problem was. He was typically a star athlete. To be perfectly honest, Josh didn't know what was wrong, but everything inside him felt wrong. There was no way the coach could understand such a feeling. His night was restless. At least he thought. Well, when he thought about it, he couldn't remember much of anything. Just that ever-creeping feeling of unease. After practice, the boys had classes. Six classes, to be exact, and they shared every one. They were best friends, after all. Roommates, classmates, and teammates. Although, there was a crack in their friendship that day. Josh couldn't take his eyes off the brown-haired girl. Somehow, she was al also in all of their classes. She never looked back at him, but Josh kept a steady gaze on her. Protecting, he thought. I'm protecting her. But from what? An interesting question he didn't have an answer to, but he knew he had to protect her. 4. The night at South Tahoe Prep was odd, yet every student was used to it. The screams echoed the halls throughout the darkness, and doors were barricaded with secure locks. Students weren't informed what really went on in the long corridors, just told to adjust to the noise and not ask questions. So that's what everyone did. Although tonight, Trisha wasn't in the mood to accept these justifications. She wanted answers. She yearned to know the truth. There was something out there, something that would answer her qualms, and tonight she would figure out what it was. At precisely 10 p.m., the screams start. They wail throughout the halls like sirens. They say names and change pitch. They try to lure the students out, but the locks keep them in. 
Trisha had prepared for the locks. She had snuck a screwdriver into her bag in the day from a construction worker preparing the main windows. Breaking a lock is easier said than done, and it took Trisha many hours to finally crack it, and with a final burst, she was in the dark abyss of a corridor in South Tahoe Preparatory. Sean, we have to know what's out there. What those screams are. Aren't you the least bit curious? Josh cried. No, Josh, I'm not. I personally like what I've got going on at this school and would rather not fuck it up, unlike you, Sean said matter-of-factly. Josh knew Sean would do anything he said, regardless of how he truly felt, so the insult didn't sting in the slightest, and he moved on to jimmying the lock. Once they opened the door, the darkness invaded the room. The black covered their belongings, and all light was snuffed out from their lives. Josh heard a voice in the distance, a faint help, and he thought he knew that voice. It sounded familiar. It needed his protection. He took off running, too fast for Sean to realize what was happening, but he was drawn by something else, something much more menacing. Lost, alone, distraught. Josh, Trisha, and Sean had no concept of space and time, voices leading them somewhere but nowhere, dark shadows around every corner, searching for someone, anyone, to help. But their calls go unanswered, drowned out by the ever-present screaming echoing through the hallways. They all run aimlessly, searching for something. Something real, not an illusion, not a shadow fucking with their heads. They run until they run into each other. The illusion is lost, the extravagant beds and breakfast stand, the mid-century furniture lining the grand entrance disappears, and only Josh, Sean, and Trisha are left. That is, the only physical things left are Josh, Sean, and Trisha. They remember the car ride up, the crystalline pool. Confusion plagues them, but so does fear. They try to run for the jeep. Sean makes it outside first. But within a flash, he's gone. A pool lies at Josh and Trisha's feet. A pool of bright red liquid. All that was left of Sean. God knows what happened, but there was no way out of the school. They were trapped. A voice drew Josh back in. The voice of his little sister, calling out for help. He had to save her. How could she be there? Trisha followed, trying to break him out of this trance. A glimmer caught her attention. Her mother, standing on the banister, hand-waving for her to come up, to join her on the edge. To her left was Josh. Trisha went up the grand stairway to join him. Hand in hand, Josh and Trisha jump over the pristine white banister. Trisha is still awake, still alive bone broken in every direction. A screaming agony courses through her veins. Josh appears to have broken his back. Instant death. She wasn't so lucky. A heavy weight starts to set in, encompassing the feeling left in her back. A warm breath creeps up her neck. A whisper. The only way out is through the tunnel. Then a laugh erupts. A shoal-shattering laugh. Trisha starts to cry. She digs her nails into the wood and scrapes until her nails break off, until her skin is bloodied, until her bone is exposed. She grinds away at the pristine hardwood, but there's never a scratch. The tunnel is unreachable. Her screams drone on. Only the trees can hear. 5. A television blares in the distance. 
Breaking news tonight as the search for three South Tahoe teens comes to a close. Sean Tanner, John Christensen, and Trisha Grimmel's bodies were found in a small pool just up the road from the abandoned South Tahoe Preparatory. At this time, there are no theories, although some have speculated foul play is involved. We're told by classmates Christensen and Gemmel were in a relationship while Tanner had always felt on the outs around them. Pictures play across the screen. Josh and Trisha kissing, the group laughing, and a blood-soaked crystalline pool. We're all, we are all praying for the families affected by this terrible violence and hope the teens have found a better place. The newscast concludes with somber air filling the town of Southlake. Sadness fills the water. So does blood. An indiscriminate scream. Looking for a way out. Well, there was your story. And welcome to the aftercast, I suppose. I think that I'll make this go till 30 minutes or so. Um, the explanation for this, obviously, like I said, it was a dream that I had that has been somewhat expanded upon, but it's not real. That place doesn't exist in Tahoe. Um, I grew up in South Lake Tahoe, and the tram still runs, and there's no crystalline pool underneath it. There was a fire that raged underneath the gondola in about that time period, and there was actually a different fire, the Angora Fire, um, around 2006, or maybe a little bit later, that raged in an area by my high school. And there was this pool that we used to take hikes up to. Um, it's You did it like at the end of the school year. You got to take this hike up to this very small square pool. And it was kind of just in plain sight you know it was in a grove of trees but it was up there and yes of course there were mysteries surrounding it it was super deep uh, but very in width it was only a square maybe like four feet by four feet um but it was very cold it was mountain water uh, i def personally didn't get in it but i definitely stuck my toes in it but everyone says that, like, someone threw a bike down there, and you can't see the bottom, so nobody really knows. Everyone, you know, is there a body down there? Um, there's lots of fun speculation around that, especially when it's right near the high school. Uh, I remember one of the PE teachers got fired because when they took our classes out there, it was actually the year in the class that I was in, they lost, like, four kids they um didn't get lost in the wilderness they just took a different path back to the high school and they showed up like an hour late which all bad kids do um but i thought it was pretty funny that it happened to be in my class and students that i knew also i'm sorry if you ever hear my animals in the background they're not quiet for long periods of time so this is what happens if you heard the cat meow i like to do it all in one sitting even if i make mistakes and even if my cat starts to meow because I think it adds to the storytelling I think my cat's trying to get the uh, microphone right now I think that it allows for you to feel the the building of anxiety like I feel so that's why I like to do it in one take and hopefully someday I get better and don't make mistakes and my mouth doesn't go you know sorry if you hate that I'm sorry I just did it a bunch um but yeah, I think that maybe I'll put out two episodes today, and I hope you enjoy, and I hope you like the cat drinking water in the background. Uh, yeah, goodbye! <laughs>